Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. She is a Venezuelan-American comedian, writer, actor, and social media personality. Her viral pieces have garnered her over 70 million views. She's been featured on CNN, BBC, BuzzFeed, and NPR. Plus, she's been a correspondent on Netflix's series, Bill Nye Saves the World. My point in all of this is she's very busy and very talented. She's all that, but I also know her to be a grounded, intelligent, and thoughtful woman. And best of all, she loves my dog, Gracie. So get ready for some laughs and some great conversation, because we're hanging out with Joanna Hausman. It is so nice to see you. It's so nice to see you in a more, I don't know, I guess professional uh, world because we always bump into each other on the elevator while you're going to go walk your dog. (laughs) We should probably give context that I used to live in your building. Yes. We were neighbors. um, And this is such a great opportunity to be able to talk to you more because I've always enjoyed seeing you and, and running into you. I just think that our lives were always running in two different directions that we never had more of an opportunity to sit down and talk. And it's great for me to be able to sit down with you and, and talk to you without like, like running past you in the lobby. (laughs) It's always like running past you in the lobby and then like four children yelling simultaneously. I just like don't understand why there's just like utter chaos every time we bump into each other. But this seems like a very peaceful, peaceful. (laughs) You have more quality time with my dog, Gracie. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) I'd love to kind of uh, do a more formal introduction. Tell me a little bit about your background and heritage, um, a little bit about your work and projects, because obviously you have a huge social media following. But we want to get a little more personal, too, here. So, um, (laughs) yeah, tell us a little bit about your background and what it was like for you you know, growing up? So we can go way back. My um, grandparents on my father's side were Holocaust survivors that, uh, you oh, know, wow. found, you know, Ellis Island was like, <laughs> we're closed. So they were like, where, <laughs> where should we go now? <laughs> Guess what, Venezuela? So they ended up in Venezuela. And then my mother's side, uh, my grandfather is Venezuelan, sorry, was Venezuelan, and my grandmother, Cuban. Uh, and she left Fidel Castro's Cuba to go then go to wow. Venezuela. So I don't know. We've been running around for generation <laughs> to generation. So Venezuela very much represented for both of my parents. You know, the first time they belonged, that uh, both sides of my family felt that they belonged somewhere and that it was their country. Um, so when I was growing up, Venezuela was what we were. Uh, and then... You know, I was born in 89 and 
very soon after that, like eight or nine years after that, Venezuela was always embroiled in some political uh, chaos. Uh, so we had to move and, and come here to the States. So my identity is very much almost an identity of being a nomad, but holding on to uh, w what I feel represents who I am. Uh, but melding to my environments all the time. So growing up, I wasn't, I felt Venezuelan, but then I didn't look it, but then I sounded American. So it never felt like it was clear who I was. Um, and that felt, uh, that felt like a weakness growing up, but I have found it to be a strength in my comedy. This is obviously a podcast, but when I first met you, I had no idea you were Latina. You have bright red hair, a fair complexion. And when Spanish came pouring out of you, I was like, man, did she live abroad for like a few years? I was like, what is happening here? When I say I always I have this uh, bit in my stand up, which is I know what a magician feels like, because every time I say I'm from Venezuela, the looks on people's faces are <laughs> that of as if I had like made a car disappear. <laughs> they cannot believe it. They're just like, what? What is happening? What is this white girl right. doing? Talking like she I mean. But, you know, I think that also comes into play with how uh, Hispanics and Latin Americans are perceived in the States. Because right. in Venezuela, yeah, I mean, people <clears throat> would call me la gringa, the American. But, right. I mean, they believed that I was Venezuelan. Here, I just feel like I, I need a lawyer every time, you know. <laughs> it's like, the case must be dismissed by today. Is this woman Latina or not? It's just insane as I drink out of a law and order cup. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things that I picked up from work. But Joanna, I mean, you don't just start speaking Spanish. <laughs> it's like a waterfall. It's a waterfall. It's uh, yeah. And if, if you don't know it very well, you'll, you'll drown, you know, like you'll not have no idea what I'm saying. Right. I've had to actually right. take diction classes. Um, I just did a, a Spanish language series. And it, it's so interesting because we're trying to sell this series to a platform and, um, accents in Spanish when you're selling content or shows are an issue. So if you sound too much like you're from someplace, it, it is looked at as a detriment to the piece. Wow. So I've had to take diction classes and um, to pronounce S's at the end of words. It's like, for example, I would say something like, Epale, ¿cómo estás? Me llamo Joana. And now it's like, Epale, ¿cómo estás? Me llamo Joana. And I'm like, that is, <laughs> sound, I sound like a freaking computer, but maybe this will sell the show. I don't know. I've been thinking about it a lot. Um, I'm actually, I'm teaching a media criticism class uh, right now at a CUNY School of Journalism. And we have, we're, we talked a lot about this case because even NPR, for example, uh, people that have accents that aren't either clear American accents or even British accents, they are not perceived as being apt for hosting. Interesting. And, and we see the same problem in Spanish in that anyone that has an accent that sounds too Caribbean or not um, neutral, and the only accent that can sort of get away with it is Mexican. Huh. Um, and maybe a little bit of Colombian because they have such a clean accent. It's, it's kind of annoying how good they speak. It's, it's my really husband's Colombian, so oh. I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> of course you do. You speak perfect <laughs> Spanish. Um, and that is perceived as a negative. That's interesting. I think the only way that I can uh, sort of relate to you in that regard is that when I wanted to get into television, now I grew up in uh, the Burbs, 
uh, and I had wanted to be in entertainment. Uh, I couldn't be talking like this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like I had to be like nondescript and shake this. Um, so now I'm able to kind of speak without an accent. Wait, wait, how did you speak? Like, did I you used to talk like this. Are you serious? Like water, your mother, your father, your sister. I love that accent. Yogurt. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But I can't imagine how frustrating it must have been for you to do that in Spanish because it is so nuanced, right? Mm-hmm. There's... There's so many words I had no idea I was pronouncing it correctly, quote unquote incorrectly, <laughs> quote unquote incorrectly. Because there's no, I mean, it's, it, it, it's not like there's one country that that speaks the correct Spanish. Do you know what I mean? Right. The, but in the states, I think in particular, the media um, industry has created this idea of what is the neutral Spanish. Yes. And gentrification of language almost. <laughs> And it's sort of that and just the word Latino or the word Hispanic just does the same thing. It it, crea- it brings over 20 different countries with 20 different forms of speaking mm-hmm. with, with 20 different with 20 different words for the word straw. And <laughs> you put them all in a nice little box that they all fit in uh, right. Latino or this is the right way of speaking Spanish. And that is one of the things that frustrated me the most when I came here and I started trying to be in the in the in in the industry because it just I felt like you they took an eraser to a bunch of it and just simplified it oversimplified it right and oversimplified people right right now I want to back up a little bit because you definitely we were getting into some really interesting things but tell me a little bit more about your social media and then I want to kind of get into you describing very beautifully your sense of not necessarily knowing what you or how people would classify you. What was what was either both positive and also challenging for you as a kid? Because again, we were all developing at that point. So let's back that up. Let's because that's two huge questions. Tell me a little bit about your the work that you do on social media. The, you're a comic. You're a sure. writer. You're an actor. So I'm a writer performer, um, and I do uh, you know specifically content about. Uh, culture, politics, identity. Uh, I do a lot of work that tries to um, educate those that perhaps don't understand Latin America or yeah. Spanish or women. Hispanics yeah. or women, basically Jewish people, everything right. that I am, uh, and tries to simplify it and bring people in on the conversation in a funny way. I don't yell at people even though my show is called Joanna Rants which the whole conceit of the word rant is that you're angry but um, a lot of what I try and do is mm-hmm. uh, you know I say that uh, comedy and, and satire it, it's bringing society to look towards a mirror right, right? right but I think sometimes in this globalized world you need to bring people towards a window um, to see out and to see what they are not used to seeing right right so that's kind of when I make Every time I make something new, I'm like, who am I bringing towards that window and what do I want to show them? Right. Um, and that's sort of where my comedy stems from. And, uh, you know, culture clashes and and what happens when an American marries a Latino and they have to plan a wedding. Just funny situations like that. that real life situations. Though. Very, very real life situations. <laughs> that can sometimes not be so funny in real life. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Which is such a great way to approach it using humor to... Mm-hmm. Um, sort of get in these uh, 
real conversations that can be very difficult, but doing it in sort of a, a, a non-explosive uh, way. So yeah. that you do some great stuff. Now, going back to what you were saying, as a kid, what was that like for you to grow up? Because, again, I grew up in one of the boroughs of New York City. Uh, not many Asians. Of course. <laughs> either around me or on TV. So here I was, like this kind of dorky Chinese girl, rocking an Asian mullet. It wasn't pretty, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. You say mullet, and I'm like, I'm I'm in for this. Okay. I want to see the, those. I pictures. think you were. Where were you at that point? What was it like for you as a as a kid, like growing up and and trying to find your way, especially when you described yourself as nomadic? You don't look necessarily, quote unquote, obviously. Latina. No, I look like an Irish barmaid. You can say it. I mean, honestly, like, <laughs> truly, it looks like I. You, it looks like I could be a, in a commercial for severe psoriasis. Like, you know what I mean? That's just like the, that's my. That's what I look like, and um, I've embraced that. No, you're beautiful. <laughs> A beautiful Irish barmaid <laughs> without <laughs> psoriasis. You know what's funny? Because on my 23 and me, I have no Irish, like zero Irish, zero English, zero nothing. Know, it's all hilarious. like Lebanese and, not, and Jew. That's oh it. my God, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, growing up, what was it like for you? Um, Can you share it, some stories? I, I moved around so much. Every two years, I was in a new school. And I, there was always uh, constants, though. Like um, my my lunch was always the same lunch and my lunch was always the Venezuelan dish of pabellón and it was always put in a thermos, a coffee thermos so it's rice, beans, meat plantain all mixed together in a thermos and now that I'm an adult I look back and I see that as like a poetic uh, metaphor for, okay. you know what I mean? <laughs> How um, I would be moving around everywhere and, and starting new and having to explain who I was and people not believing me and people and you know i it was i would go to schools with like all american girls here in the states and it was like weird or um and then i'd always have my little thermos that looked like it was coffee but you'd open it up and it was this like horrendous mix of rice beans plantains <laughs> and like m mashed up meat um and people would be like what the hell are you eating like right. what is that and i would always have to explain what it was <clears throat> That must and have been hard, though. It was, but then I remember every time in every school, like someone would try it, and they'd be like, "That is so good," and I'm like, "Oh my god!" And like now, I'm like, "Oh my god, that's kind of what I do." People look at this like thermos, and they're like, "What the hell is there?" <laughs> like they open it up, and they're like, "Ew, that looks weird. I don't want to try it." And then they try it, and they're like, "That's delicious." So, um, are you comparing yourself to the thermos? I'm like the thermos, um, with all that stuff mixed in, and people are confused by it. It looks like a thermos. It's actually just a mix of a bunch of stuff in okay. there and then they try and it, it's like it's yummy it's, it's like okay I, get, I can get behind right. this but then when I moved back to Venezuela it was funny because I had been here for so many years that then when I moved back that was I was the gringa so oh. when I went to high school you know I was they were like oh la gringa la gringa and I'm like are you kidding me <laughs> like really I moved back to my country and now I'm the other thing Jesus Christ um, right but then I realized that it, you know, you, you, your identity isn't a, a pie with like 100%. You can be 100% two things and 100% three things and 100% four things. Versus Wait a second. When did you realize this? Because this is a huge... I don't know if there, there, there are adults right now that are walking around that don't realize this. So when did... What sort of made you get to that realization? And, and what age were you at that point? And how did it help you? 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I, I, you know, I have to say that my high school was a, my high school is, was a, an American Venezuelan school and people talked like me. So people, we would do this thing <clears throat> and I still talk like this where we go like this, like, Bueno, es que I was going up el ascensor and then suddenly alguien was telling me que I was like, <laughs> le estaba talking en una manera like negative y yo como que, are you serious, bro? Como que, estás loco. That's literally not nada lo que I would ever say. That's how I talk with my friends back home in high school and I felt like I mixed in and I realized that um, we were very proud of the fact that we could just dive in and out. Yeah. And then um, when I went to college, <clears throat> I, I had, there were less people like that. And when I was in college, I was like, this is something cool. And people were like, oh my God, I can't believe you can do that. Right. So I think that's when. Around college. Yeah. When it clicked for me as a kid, it, you know, fish doesn't know it's in water. I just was in the water. Like, yeah, what's up? And then, <laughs> you know, you're taken out of the water and you're like suffocating a little bit and you're like, oh, I know what water is. Right. Um, so when I was taken out of the water, uh, it was like, oh, this is actually, this is my environment was weird. Right. Um, and it, I, I, I felt so comfortable in that environment and there's a reason why I felt so uncomfortable, so comfortable in that environment. Um, and it, it, it's a reflection of feeling two things at the same time, feeling American and Venezuelan at the same time. Right. But as I think before you hit that point though, is it fair to say that you, um, and, and again, I can kind of relate to you all seriousness because I went, uh, English is my second language. Mm -hmm. So you know, when I was growing up, I was learning English by watching Mr. Rogers, Electric Company, you know, but I have to be honest, and this is a true story. Um, when I turned on the TV and you were a kid, you still can't tell the difference between what's real and what's not. Right. The Coneheads totally flipped me out. <laughs> Kiss totally flipped me out because I didn't understand what I was hearing. And then they looked real. And I was like, Whoa. So, but so when I was, uh, this is all to say is that I went back and forth in English and, and Chinese with my family. I always felt more awkward probably than I was because I didn't know how to behave or where to be. Did you find that you had those same challenges before you reached that moment of realization that you actually, like this was a cool thing? Um, I, 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 you know, I think growing up, everyone feels a little bit off all the time. Uh, maybe right. not. I mean, there's always that one girl called Ashley and she, she's <laughs> got her shit together. You know, she's like, was always pretty and never had any existential crises. But, <laughs> um, I, yeah, no, I felt, uh, I, I felt weird and unnormal and, uh, and embarrassed 
a lot of the times by what I was and who I was and but then at home I felt like everything made sense so it was like at home everything makes sense and then everywhere else nothing makes sense right um and it was you know the act of bringing that comfort I felt at home to the world that was took took time sure what helped you when you felt out of place or um you know uh, self-discovery takes a long time and there are many adults I'm sure that we can discuss for another time <laughs> um that still have no idea that they n- have no awareness mm-hmm. when you had those moments where you didn't you just felt like you didn't belong or those more challenging times where self-discovery was you're still obviously on that path what helped you get through those moments where you were like, okay, I don't know what's going on here. I don't feel like I belong. You know, we laugh about the thermos thing, but you know what? School lunches were a big deal when we were kids. You know, I didn't have peanut butter and jelly sandwich either. I had Chinese food, which Mm -hmm. looked weird and smelled even weirder. What was it that helped you get through those more difficult moments where you not necessarily, didn't necessarily reach that understanding that, hey man, this is like me going between two cultures is pretty cool. Uh, I mean, it's, I mean, this is, I I almost feel like it's cliche, but whatever. I mean, comedy. Um, I was the class clown and, and every time I met new people, comedy was my way of, of sort of being, being something that felt, um, that people would want to be around. And, uh, comedy was a way for me to sort of make fun of myself. Uh, and, be like, yeah, you know what, my lunch is wacky. Um, right. <laughs> uh, so I, I think that that comedy was definitely my uh, my uh, salvavida. We say in Spanish and English, it's a lifesaver, literally lifesaver. But the not like oh, what a lifesaver. I mean, the actual a right. flotation device that right. you like grab onto, and it's kind of like a safety. Sure. You know, and you sort of use that to float around. Uh, that's what it was for me. It wasn't like, wow, it saved my life. It was more like I could swim, but this is way easier. Right, right. When did you kind of figure that that, that was a tool that you could use and you were good at? I, you know, I, I, my mom tells me that it was when I was four or five and I went to Disney and um, I like, we were with my cousins and whatever. And um, I, I was kind of shy. I was really shy as a kid. And I just thought that Snow White was so dumb um, <laughs> in every way. I was like, who, who, what idiot like accepts an apple from a stranger and then proceeds to eat it? Like, are you an idiot? So I did like a little stand up in the hotel as like a five-year-old like, oh yeah, like Snow White's an idiot. <laughs> and I, my mom was like, I, you were so shy. And then suddenly seeing you just bust that out was like so funny and then ever since then you always would revert to that every time you wanted to explain something that you were upset by or confused by or that frustrated you you always did it do you remember doing this i i remember i you know memory is a weird thing and i don't trust it i think i do but it might just be my mom's memory that then she's like incepted into my that's a freaking great story (laughs) no right 
but was there, I mean, okay, so you definitely had humor, which is an incredibly powerful tool that you have since honed and mastered. But were there painful moments where you're like, man, this just is like, and what would you say to people that are still kind of going through that and haven't reached that level yet? I, you know, I have to say, I, I've, I think it's been worse as an adult. Uh, How so? <clears throat> as someone on, on social media, so I'm someone that represents, uh, you know, that at least my content, you know, speaks for some people. And I try to uh, este, um, eh, break apart eh, stereotypes and this, that, and the other. Um, and being in the limelight of that. Right. People have, people, I feel like online in particular, and they, I, I'm not a three-dimensional being that they have gotten to know that they can understand the reason why I do feel like I represent all these things and that I can't be a spokesperson for, spokesperson for Venezuelans, Hispanics, et cetera, like I, that, I, that I'm passionate about. Um, they still see me as a one-dimensional thing. Like a character, like a like cartoon a, character almost? Yeah, like, you know, when like I... you're not real? Yeah, like when I was, uh, when I was talking about Venezuela um, when in April when all these horrible things were happening and I just, you know, my ha- I have family there and I just could not sleep at night worried for my family and my friends and my country. Right. Um, people attacked me for, for looking the way that I looked and not being what they think a Venezuelan should look like and ergo saying that I am a everything bad in the world. Like just like my identity was stripped away from me and it felt so devastating. Wow. It felt like I can't even imagine because it just hits you all at once. Right. Yeah. And And it's just this feeling of, Oh, I'm not a person uh, for a lot of these people. I'm a, I represent everything they don't like about a certain situation. So in that case, I represented, uh, a, a, uh, it was like horrible. Honestly, it it was just so, it was just so absurd. The amount that my identity was stripped from me and I was given a new one that I did not want. And that was not true. So I think I've struggled with that way more as an adult Wow! because I can't control it. A lot of the times people, especially when you're, when you're on social media, when you're in the zeitgeist, whatever, like people take who you are and they make you whatever is convenient versus you controlling it in some way or, or understanding it yourself and then controlling it. I mean, it must be excruciatingly painful because you are under a, a magnifying glass that people are putting on you. Yeah. And you are in many ways helpless because people are sitting behind, you know, computer screens in the safety of their own home and without any consideration. And it's extraordinarily hard. I mean, that's something that all, unfortunately, on-camera personalities have to deal with. It's hard to deal with even off-camera. Mm-hmm. So having said that, how do you cope and deal with it? And, and before we even answer that question, why is it that people feel like they need to strip away uh, people's identities and 
is it a fear? They're much more comfortable with labels and, and neat little boxes. You know, you were talking about like, you know, not all Hispanics are the same. Not all Asians are the same. One of my pet peeves is going into an Asian restaurant or a Chinese restaurant, and I can order Chinese, Japanese, Thai, and Vietnamese. That's like when I go to a Spanish restaurant, and I'm like, this is a Latin, what are you saying? Yeah. Spanish is in Spain. Right. What? Sorry. No, no. That's one of my pet peeves. <laughs> Just like, and I walk in, and doing? I'm like, what am I supposed to order? I don't understand where I'm supposed to be yeah. or what this is supposed to be. But for some reason, you know, society feels more comfortable with neat little boxes and labels and stereotypes. So do you think this sort of vicious attack and hate and all this negativity, is it from fear? Is it from discomfort of not knowing? What do you think it is? I don't think it's fear uh, for, for my particular, I'm sure there are instances where it is fear. I think in the, in this past year, the particular attacks I've had to deal with comes from a place of uh, convenience. So, Hmm. Uh, you know, let's, let's put one example out there. Um, uh, Venezuela is, is going through the worst economic crisis <laughs> of this era. Like right, it is, right. it, it, it has a, s- a serial level refugee crisis. There's journalists in jail, including my uncle who was in jail oh for God, two Joanna. years. Just like really, you know, this country is not doing well. So when I do a video of the facts of what is happening, the easiest way for someone who is pro Maduro, pro the dictatorship, for example, to destroy what I'm saying is destroying me instead of what I'm saying because they can't destroy the facts of what I'm saying. What I'm saying are right. facts. So the easy way to to strip me from my you know my point of view and and from the facts that I'm saying is attacking me as a human and as a person and as Joanna Houseman as as the person that I am. So it's convenience. So it instead of saying, "Oh, I'm going to do a video where I sort of delve deep into," uh, this is the the you know the people that were attacking me. That a lot of videos from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, instead of making a video uh, taking her her facts and then like trying to figure out uh, ways to say they're not facts, which someone tried to do with like all horrible like non information, um, they made videos of me and that you know saying that I was like with my last name that means I had to be a Nazi and uh oh God, that I had so to uh, sorry. just like the you what? know uh, yeah I had to be like th- like this woman's all right and I'm like who uh, what am, what is happening like <laughs> what the hell is happening here right and it was it was an easy way for them to see me see my last name and make assumptions that people could definitely get behind to invalidate my point of view and the facts that I said in, in, in my op-ed piece for the New York Times. Like, it's it's a convenient thing to do to strip people away of their identity when it helps you remain safe in your point of view when your point of view is wrong. <laughs> right. When you have all of these horrible things coming at you, how do you get through it? Uh, it, it was so hard. Um it's still hard. It, I it, can see that. It, it was, yeah, like it was like traumatizing, honestly. And I had, I had dealt with like hate online um, several times before because that's what happens when you're a woman on the internet. But this one was particularly vicious because it attacked my integrity and um, uh, my este, intentions. And 
you know, people saying that I'm ugly or stupid or this, like that doesn't really, I mean, it hurts, but it hurts for a little bit. But when people are like, this is an evil person that has ulterior motives and she's evil, like that for me was, was really difficult to reconcile. And it like broke my heart, like beyond anything I'd ever gone through. God, I'm so sorry. So I, you know, I, I disconnected. I, I, got off Twitter. I actually hired a friend of mine. I was like, you deal with my Twitter. I don't want to deal with this. I got off social media. My husband was leaving, living in Philly at the time. I went to Philly and I was just me. I wasn't the me people see in the news. I wasn't the me that is funny and talks about culture. And I wasn't the me that people seek to uh, represent their point. I needed to be the me that like the you people closest Joanna. I needed to be me. I needed to be like that little girl that when the that hated Snow White. Like right. <laughs> I needed to be that person for two weeks and just be. So I did that. And um it it, it was my saving grace. Like it was it it if I was younger I feel like I would not have known to do that. But I I knew that I had to. I knew that I had to go back to the the OG Joanna, the one that was always around, that's always been around. Right. Um, the one that is like not great at cooking, but tries. The one that uh, you know, gets mad because I, the laundry took the sock. I can't find it. Just the person. <laughs> right. Not all the versions of the person that people that think, think they know. Yeah. Joanna, you put so much of yourself out there, and people judge and attack. I cannot imagine how painful that was. You have a huge social media following. You do a ton of really well-produced, you know, YouTube videos. And I know how much work those take. For people who are not in production, I mean, I work in the business. Those take a lot of work, a lot of thought. Those pieces are hilarious. They are informative. What is your intent for your work? Either social media, your stand-up, your writing. What is your intent and what is the purpose for these pieces? What is it that you want to get out for the record? I, since the beginning, wanted to bring people closer and have them feel good about it. And everything I do, regardless of the content of it, that's what I want to achieve bring them closer and have them enjoy it. Okay. I'm going to be devil's advocate here because then there, you know, people are going to say that be like, yeah, but you're, you're tearing down the government. You're tearing your, you're making fun of like different accents. You're, I mean, I can't even imagine what you're, you're hearing. So, I'm, so, so just <laughs> go, go through that list of archives that I'm sure you possibly have, but people can be like, you, you're angry. You're, you're making fun of this or you're attacking this. What would your response be to those that may challenge that? Uh, I don't know. That's a, I don't waste time. <laughs> Good like, for you. Yeah. I, that's just exhausting to me. It already takes so much energy to do what I do and do it consistently. And to do it well. And to do it well. Uh, I, If they don't get it, they don't get it. And that's fine. They don't have to watch it. They can go right. and do watch it, any other person they want. They don't need to like me. No one needs to like me. I'm not here for everyone to like me. But for the people that do, like that's what I want to Excellent to achieve good you went back to philly you reverted back to the five-year-old that hated snow white what made you pick up and go yeah i'm gonna get back to it because a lot of times most people would be like screw this i'm i'm out 
this isn't worth it. It's just so much work. It's so much thought, effort, time. So what made you go, I'm going to pick this back up. I'm going to pick up my bags. I'm going back to New York or wherever. And I'm going to, I'm going to do this again. I didn't have a choice. It, it feels like once you, I also had a conversation with someone and, um, they were like, you're going to let these people take all that away. <laughs> like what? Right. And I'm like, Oh, that's true. That's kind of letting them win. If, if they just are successful and they shut right. me up. Um, so it wasn't easy, uh, but I picked back up and I decided to do a video. I don't remember what it was. I just remember that I was like, I just want something light and fun and, yeah. and that appeals to my id, you know, not my super ego, but like the, really the core of me, what is something fun I want to do? And that's what I did. Um, and then, you know, the hate and the crazy people, they went off and found someone else to attack viciously. So I found my peace again, but it really did uh, center me. And, you know, I realized what my goals are and now I have like a different perspective in what I want to accomplish. Can you share that? I love satire. I want to be part of a satirical show. I want to write satire. I want to write political satire. Um, I want to achieve that goal. I don't necessarily have to be in front of the camera. I want, but I want to be part of a team of people that, that elucidates the truth. Um, and that's, that is my goal. And that brilliant, that was what that hard time sort of taught me about myself. Brilliant. It's great that you were able to gain perspective and it helped you figure out what you want to do, but that must've been a really painful experience. And you know, it's a double-edged sword, right? When you're in front of the camera or you're in the public eye in some way, you hear from all kinds and the volume is turned all the way up. So you hear the good, the bad and everything in between. And when it's bad, it's awful. But when it's great, it's awesome. Can you talk about some stories that you heard from either your followers or an audience member, an experience that you had that resonated with you and it landed that like, whoa, what you're doing and who you are has, has really made an impact on them. That's happened more times than I would have ever, ever in my life um, have expected. But like one that comes to mind was recently I went to a restaurant here in New York and the, the hostess was like kept on looking at me and I'm like, oh God, what do I, do I have something on my face? Like what the fuck? <laughs> Uh, I don't remember her name. Let's call her Valentina. Um, okay. She's beautiful. Like, I feel like she would look like a Valentina. Um, uh, okay. and, uh, not in Ashley. <laughs> not in Ashley. Definitely not in Ashley. Good callback. Uh, and she was like, um, so I just moved to New York. I left Venezuela not long ago. Um, I'm struggling with my visa. I'm trying to bring my family here. We lost everything back home. I'm starting God. from scratch. I'm a, she was a professional in Venezuela. She was, you know, hostessing here and just trying to make ends meet. Her mom was in the restaurant because her mom oh. had come to visit. Um, they had scrounged up enough to buy her a ticket and they were all living. It was just like the most, it was, but the whole time she was smiling and she was so excited to see me. And uh, she was just, she, she told me, like, thank you so much for making me smile and making me feel, like, really excited to show people that don't know who I am and where I'm from 
to like bring them into my world and like they they get me now and then she brought over like the bartender and he was he was like oh yeah uh, she's she's showing me to explain to me why you guys say this and like oh my god and then the other guy came and she was like thank you and i realized that i helped her create her her safe space here um and i i think about her like all the time like all the time i and i've gone back and she i don't think she works there anymore because every time i've been there she is not there oh uh. but i think about her all the time because she probably has never left a comment she's probably never tweeted something at me but she, her experience is significantly more impactful. Um, I just never would have heard it if right. I didn't bump into her. And so, if she didn't have the guts to come and say hi, you know. What an incredible moment. You opened the doors for Valentina the way you might not have had when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. How does that hit you? To, to know that your work m- means something more than just a giggle for three and a half minutes. Um, it, it, it feels weird. It feels wonderful. And, and, and I like, I feel like I get a high afterwards and I'm just like in a great mood, but it's also, it, it also feels weird. And like, I, I can't explain to you why. And I wish that it didn't, but it feels like, oh my God, what? Sometimes I'm like, why, why? There's another case of this woman in Spain. She's a super well-known pastry chef. She works for the best restaurant in the world. El Celer de Can Roca. And she Instagrammed me and she was like, come to the restaurant. And I'm like, what? And she wrote me this letter. We went to the best restaurant. Me and my husband went to the best restaurant in the world. We would have never been able to do that because of this fan. And she is such an incredible woman. And then she wrote a letter for me. Like a, the most beautiful letter I've ever received, and I cried like a crazy person. And that was oh, oh my god! Joanna. And it was, and she made a cake for. A, it was just like so overwhelming, and I cry, and I cried because it. I I feel like I'm. It's so. Oh, I can't put my finger on it. I feel unworthy of all this, and um, I don't feel I deserve it. And, 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 okay, you're looking at me with that face, but you know, I'm being honest. Like, I'm not and looking you at pulled you it out of me. Oh, no. <laughs> and you it's pulled no it face. out of me. It's because yeah. it's hard for me to say that, but that's deeply how I do feel. Like, it, that's how, how I feel at the core of, of it sometimes is I, you know, I don't deserve this. Your work matters, and you put so much care and time into it. The pieces that you produce are informative, they're hilarious and entertaining, and for every negative comment I'm sure you've gotten, there are just as many, if not more, Valentinas out there that appreciate what you're doing. And you know what? Look, the fact of the matter is you're using your voice to create conversations that need to be had. So let me ask you, how would you define representation? Oh, man. What a word. I told you I wasn't going to ask you the easy questions. No, I know. I think representation is making people uh, feel like they see themselves. I feel like that's what representation is for me. And what are you going to continue to do to both uh, creatively speaking, but also to further this conversation? And it's two separate questions. I think every time a Valentina <laughs> situation comes my way and, and when it does happen, I always ask that person, 
what do you want to see more of and what makes you feel like you're not alone? Mm -hmm. And I take those tidbits and I always bring them with me to what my next thing is. So it's uh, talking to those people that see themselves and how can you better how they see themselves and what you do. Wow. Okay. That's really cool. So you never forget an experience, be it good or bad. And you sort of incorporate it into your next piece. Yes. That is so important. So what can other people do to help further this conversation and awareness and to know how important diversity and representation is? You know, this whole uh, conversation, we've talked about how we put people into buckets when it's convenient and we... Right. And uh, I think asking questions is so easy and no one does it enough. Right. Um, I think asking questions is incredibly powerful. And uh, it's something that I I always force myself to keep doing. Um, and I think that that's a really great way to further because you will understand things that you wouldn't you didn't even know were a thing right so going back to what you started when we first started you said i felt like a nomad you you know went to venezuela you were the gringo there you came back here then you were the latino you just sort of didn't know where you fit in um so my question kind of going full circle a little bit is what what do you celebrate about your heritage and however you define your what your heritage is which is i feel like my heritage is me so it's not something outside of myself it's a celebrating a really important part of who i am uh to better get to know myself so that for me is get it is how i celebrate my heritage best advice you have ever gotten and that you would want to give to somebody else that helps you mm-hmm. throughout any and every situation in your life that, that you keep in the forefront. I love this um, question. And I got this uh, piece of Seriously? advice. This or are you being facetious? No, no, no. Oh, I, got, okay. I got this advice this summer. There's 10 different ways of saying the same thing. Choose the best one. I love it. For all the Valentinas that are out there that are not speaking out or (laughs) are speaking out, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Joanna Hausman. Uh, Instagram is Joe House, J-O-H-A-U-S. Facebook, Joanna Hausman Comedy. (laughs) Then uh, if you just Google Joanna rants you'll probably because houseman's weird to spell but if you google joanna rants i'll pop up <laughs> okay and what what can we expect for you in the future for for more projects what can we look forward to i'm working on a few tv projects some animated which i'm very excited about i have a spanish language uh, show a digital show right now that uses food to uh as a vehicle to dissect latin america's politics crises uh using food using food so I eat. It's wonderful. Nice. I'm, ava- I'm available to produce that, just so you know. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I'll bring my dog. That sounds amazing. Um, and other That's awesome. That's yeah. a really awesome idea. And other writing projects that uh, I think I can't contractually say anything yet, but awesome. hopefully will will come to fruition. You never know in this industry. They might take it away from me tomorrow. So No, I know. And I know. <laughs> but lots of great things coming from you. Okay, I think we got everything. Was there anything else or do you just want to steal my dog? 
I just want to steal a dog, honestly. I want to steal dog. your dog. The cutest dog I've ever seen in my life. So She's like, kind of like a stoner. Oh, my God. Look at her. Oh, look, I love you. <laughs> okay, so for people who have not seen my dog yet, how, why do you love my dog so much? What does she look like? She looks like an old soul. Um, and also, she she looks like like a teddy bear come to life. <laughs> just look, I, and then you always put her in a backpack. <laughs> And she just looks like a little a little friend that's just happy to be there. Yeah. <laughs> and she she's just like calm. Very sweet. Mm-hmm. Thanks for outing me about the dog backpack. Oh my god, you have a the fact that you have that dog backpack just it gives me hope in the world that good things are to come. <laughs> I think you're the only person that interprets it that way. That is the cutest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. It's overwhelmingly cute. You're welcome to come visit her anytime, but you can't have her. <laughs> So let's wrap things up. We have a signature sign-off, a signature tagline that we get all of our guests to do. Tell us who you are and let us know what you represent. I'm Joanna Hausman. I'm a Venezuelan-American comedian, and I represent people that feel 100% too many things. Huge thanks to Joanna Hausman for sharing her time and experiences with us. I loved hanging out with her. Be sure to check Joanna out on her social media. On the next episode of Reppin, we have an extremely talented actor with a crazy list of credits under his belt. He's been on shows like Law & Order, SVU, Cold Case, Brain Dead, Gone, Scandal, The Shield, just to name a few. And most recently, he played Miguel Galindo on Mayans MC. Danny Pina will be here to talk with us. So you definitely want to check that out and get to know him. Reppin is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and TuneIn. So be sure to subscribe, share, and leave a review. We want to hear from you. Let us know how we're doing. And you can always hit us up on Twitter at Reppin Podcast and follow us on Instagram at Reppin underscore podcast. As always, thank you to my crew, Nelson Panero, for being my technical director and musical composer, and to Gracie Kong for being. Reppin is a Suburban Outlaw Productions. Till next time, be sure to stand up and represent. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.